and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. I'm curious, do you want to know how to achieve lasting positive transformation, abundance and empower your life? If you are not happy with where you are today and the repeating patterns that represent in your life over and over again, then a radical shift is what's required to help you make changes and live your life more on purpose. All you need to do is sign up to our email list and you will receive an online module on how to create radical paradigm shifts. You can get it completely for free when you sign up to our email list at katherineplano.com. And as a valued subscriber, you are also going to get exclusive content that's only available to our email subscribers, where we will have members-only events, free access to online masterclasses, VIP and discount tickets to all events. Only available for people on our email list, we offer bonus content with more advanced tips that are exclusive just for our email subscribers. There is an amazing stuff available for you only if you sign up to the email list and you can do that by going to katherineplano.com and sign up on the homepage. This week, as always, we have a super amazing guest for you, Sylvia Buffour. Sylvia is a professional speaker, trainer, and executive coach based in Washington, D.C. She is the founder and president of Buffour International, a company helping individuals and organizations leap beyond their barriers to achieve peak performance. She was recently ranked by HubSpot among the top 15 female motivational speakers and she is a thought leader in the fields of emotional intelligence, leadership and change management. Sylvia is the author of I Dare You to Care, a book that focuses on how we can use our emotional intelligence skills to inspire, influence and achieve remarkable growth. Sylvia is also one of the most sought-after speakers and trainers in the fields of personal empowerment and professional development. She has lived in several countries around the world and speaks five languages. She was recently ranked among the top 18 speakers at the World Championship of Public Speaking held in Malaysia, where she competed against 35,000 contestants from 126 countries. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy.
So this morning we have a special guest for you, all the way from Washington, D.C., Sylvia Buffour. Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. Well, thank you, Catherine. I'm so glad to, to spend some time with you. Oh, I'm very, I'm super excited. I can't wait to get into this. So the way that we start, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So tell us, how did you get to where you are today? Well, you know, it's it's a very long story and I'll cut it short in the interest of time, I'm sure. But so I was born in Ghana for anyone who gets curious about sort of a, the odd accent that I have. I left Ghana when I was about a year and a half old with my family and we moved to Lesotho, Cameroon, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Kenya. And finally, I ended up in the U.S. for university about a little bit more than 20 years ago. And, um, you know, the one thing I like to say is that I, I followed my father's footsteps in studying French and finance uh, just because I, I thought, you know, coming out of college and being really marketable was the thing to do and the wise step to take. And yet, um, at the heart of it, I always wanted to do stuff in the field of psychology and just didn't have the courage to study that. Um, but sort of in a, in a full circle moment in, in 2000, I ended up getting certified as a life coach and uh, found myself back into that sort of the air, general area of psychology. And I built a practice for a couple of years before uh, wanting to take my coaching messages to a bigger audience. And professional speaking became kind of the natural path for that to happen. And uh, I've always had a deep interest in in people. I've always been fascinated uh, by people. I, even though I'm a professional speaker now, I, I do have an introverted side of me. And it's because when I was young, I would just spend time studying people and watching, just understanding a little more about what makes us tick and, and where we, we find our drive. And, and um, I, I, I like to tap into uh, something I once heard some psychologists say that, the happiest people in the world are those who have meaningful and sustained connections with others. And um, part of my mission as a as a professional speaker and a, a coach is to is to help others become the kinds of people that that others want to have those meaningful and sustained connections with in the first place. You know, and selfishly, as I help others along the way, it seems to help me become a better version of myself also. So that's sort of a nutshell, my my journey in a snapshot. <laughs> I love it. And it's 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 quite often I hear this that an introvert does public speaking and people go, What? But it's interesting. <laughs> it's like you're actually away from the, the audience. And the introversion part, it's really about where do you actually um replenish your energy and it's it's most of the time you obviously replenish your energy I'm an introvert as well um well from Myers-Briggs uh introvert mm-hmm. uh, as I get my energy from being at home and spending time on my own so it's it's a not an uncommon thing I'm mm-hmm. curious you said coaching message so what is your message what's your key message uh so my what I'm known for essentially is is this idea of helping people leap beyond barriers. You know, leaping beyond barriers is sort of um, a part of, of of my essence. And so my message is just about helping people figure out what it is they want more of in their lives and then essentially help guide them over the obstacles that are inevitably going to be in, in the way of anything that we're each of us are aspiring to achieve. So um, my coaching messages generally center around this idea of how can I help you leap beyond the barriers that that perhaps uh, you are facing in your life in on route to getting more of what it is you you say that you want in your life. So how does one do that? So once you hit an obstacle, what's your method to get through the obstacle? 
once you hit the obstacle? That's a good question. Um, so I think one of the, to sort of step back, I think one of the most important things is to be keenly aware of what it is uh, we're, 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 we're um, essentially targeting. You know, what what is it that you want more of in your life, right? If we get very clear about that, um, one of the things I like to do with some of my clients is also then spend almost as much time not just identifying what you say you want more of in your life, but we actually identify what are the things that could get in the way of you achieving that goal. You know, I, I would tease, for instance, like if, if weight loss was a big goal for someone or something they cared really strongly about, then maybe one, one of the obstacles might literally be uh, don't open your fridge after midnight, you know. Um, so what I found is that if if I can help people articulate and actually physically sort of identify, literally identify the potential obstacles that could get in the way of their goal, when they do meet those obstacles, the reaction isn't, oh my goodness, I didn't see this coming or I'm overwhelmed by it, but it's almost a way to help with sort of the planning to say, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I was anticipating that this might be an obstacle and I'm going to see it as just that, something that's meant to help me grow on route to getting what it is I want um, in, in my life. So uh, I think it's really important to get clear on, on the goal first, but also to identify those obstacles so that as many as possible, obviously there's some things that happen to us that we face that are unforeseen and you, and you couldn't plan for them. But I don't think we often spend enough time thinking about literally and writing down the things that we think could get in the way of, of us achieving a particular goal. Um, you know, and that is just as important as as the goal sometimes because that familiarity with you see the obstacle differently. You don't treat it as something that's meant to derail you and make you change your mind and, and go on another path. It's oh this is I'm anticipating that this is the sort of thing that I'm going to to meet on route to the goal. And so I'm going to then then figure out um already have a game plan as to how you can um eliminate or leap beyond that that barrier that obstacle you know because you recognize it for what it is it's just there to help you grow or maybe be test you to see if you really want what you say you want um and it it, it allows you to be level-headed in the way you you, you continue on that journey Mm, I like that. So to be really clear about what you want, but also mm -hmm. what could possibly get in your way. So you're planning, prepare it ahead of time, just in case you do meet that obstacle. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it just, it takes some of the, the nerves out of, of leaping beyond the barrier because you, you, you know, you, it's almost the familiarity, you know, we, we fear with the unknown, right? As human beings, we fear what we don't know. And, and I think if we can identify even if you don't know how you're going to scale it in a particular obstacle you've identified, just identifying it puts you in a better frame of mind to think creatively about how you can you can leap beyond that. Mm, I love that. Before uh, you actually mentioned about some of your uh, findings in what makes us tick and uh, uh, the things that drive us, what were some of your findings? Well, I I think that um, as much as many people in the past, uh, you know, that I've talked to thought that sort of money and, and success is what makes them tick. I, I, I don't think that's, I think that's one that I was easily able to eliminate in some of the, the, uh, the interactions I've had with, with clients. I think, um, I think Simon Sinek said it best when he talked about your why, you know, just figuring out, starting with why. So that's always sort of what I come back to is the essence of why are we doing anything that we are we are on a path to to achieve, you know? And 
and really getting to the heart of it. And it, 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 I find that if it's, oh, just because it's going to make me look good or it's going to bring attention to me or going to add a number of likes and followers to my community, I, I tend to find that some of those superficial targets um, do not sustain do not sustain us, and therefore they could make you tick, but it's it usually needs to burn out. So those ticks are temporary. Um, I think it's just I think to me I found that a lot of people just have a desire to to have an impact and to make a difference, and and I think it taps into the human basic human need that we all have to feel seen and valued and 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 understood. And so I feel like what makes a lot of people tick is that reciprocal desire to uh, be of, of value to others in, in whatever way, because that that sustains you when you know that you are meaningful and that you mean, you know, that your life means something. Um, I, I think that's what can keep you going beyond the obstacles and all the things that would ordinarily derail us if all we're shooting for is superficial, you know, success or money. Mm, so you're talking about like external drivers rather than internal mm-hmm. drivers. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Sylvia, the other thing I'd love to sort of really unpack is what's what's a radical shift that made your life change for the better? Mm. Radical shifts. Gosh, I think uh, we probably all have have one in our lives. And if 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 I think about, you know, one that sort of jumps out at me and it's it's a. it's a memory I'll never forget because I think it changed. It literally set me on a different path as a human being. And uh, so in a nutshell, what happened was uh, back when I was about 15 years old, uh, living in Zimbabwe in an all-girls government boarding school in, in Bulawayo, I I remember coming back from a tennis tournament that I had won. And I was very ecstatic and looking forward to sharing this this victory with my, my dorm mates. There were 14 of them. And as I was approaching our dorm, I was met with this eerie silence and that was unusual because at that time of of the afternoon, most of the girls would be in their wooden foot lockers getting, getting ready to go to the bath times because we had scheduled bath times and it was really awkwardly silent. And as I approached the door, the fears I had about something going on that was strange was confirmed when I looked all the way down the hall of our dormitory where these sort of metal beds lined up like you in Alcatraz kind of. And um, at the very end, about a hundred yards down into the dormitory, all 14 of my dorm mates and the dorm prefect were sitting around two or three foot lockers and they turned to the, towards the door and the dorm prefect motioned me in to come and sit down. And at that moment, I knew that they were all there for me. And so with my little bony knees shaking, I went and sat down, dropped my racket. And then this almighty assault, as I saw it, began where uh, all of my dorm mates, including my best friend at the time, were just telling me about how horrible they they just thought I was a, a know-it-all and somebody who made people feel small around them. And and it was this was it was a merciless um, attack, it felt like, because I had zero idea that any of these girls had that impression of me. I mean, completely. And so my 15-year-old heart is crushed. And after my tears had dried up and I had this anger that, that set in for a couple of weeks, I gave them all the silent treatment because I was that's something I'm, <laughs> I was really good at. And uh, in the time that I was not talking to them, I just started to reflect a little bit as my anger dissipated. And I asked myself a question. I said, Sylvia, you know, these 14 girls cannot be wrong and you are right. I mean, because I felt right for a long time. Uh, and it made me realize that 
even though I didn't see this coming, and even though it was never my intention to have people tell me they thought I was a misknow-it-all and made people feel small around them and all the things that they, they said to me that, that afternoon, that even if I didn't think that's who I was, I had to care about the fact that that is how they experienced me. And so even though I didn't know the words to give it that changed my life, I made some commitments in, in a radical shift, as you would as you would call it, in knowing that one, I never wanted to ever feel that way again, that sort of humiliation and 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 all of that heartache. But I also never wanted people around me to feel something so different from what I intended them to feel, you know. And and I think Jim Carrey uh, put it best in saying that the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. And and it's something that I truly lived by. At, at the time, I, I wouldn't have articulated it as well as he did, but the radical shift was in, in realizing that oftentimes in life, it's not about our intentions. It's just, it's, it's as much about how others experience us that matters the most, you know? And uh, that was a big shift in my life to think that, you know, I wanted to, to create a life that would ensure that, who I thought I was was more closely mirrored to how others were experiencing me. And and so that's in a nutshell, um, I think for me, was a big shift in my life. And is that what inspired you to write a book? It is. It is. Absolutely. Because um, so the book that I, I wrote uh, recently is is based on emotional intelligence. And before I knew what to call the word, the term emotional intelligence, this this radical shift really spoke to the, the heart of that, you know, with emotional intelligence being the idea that we, we are aware of ourselves, right, and our emotions, and we understand the impact that our emotions are having on ourselves and others around us. And so it definitely was the, the beginnings of, of my desire to make a difference, to make an impact, and to, to, to help bring out value in other people as well, you know, so and all that's kind of connected. So for our listeners, I'm sure they're a little bit curious around emotional intelligence. Do you want to unpack that a little bit? Because it's it's one of those things that it is it is about self-awareness, but it's also about the social awareness piece, which uh, are very, very different. Would you like to maybe unpack that a little bit for us? Sure, sure. So, you know, the the essence of it is that emotional intelligence is essentially about being more aware of how you're moving through this world, right? And so you're right. One important piece of that, the foundational piece is how well do you know, understand yourself and your emotions? But doubling up on that, um, how 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 well are you uh, aware of how your emotions are literally impacting the people around you? Um, you know, and, and that's kind of, you know, the social awareness of, of using empathy, right? Being able to put yourself in the shoes of others. And I like to say the fact that empathy isn't about agreeing with somebody or just being nice for the sake of being nice. It's that social awareness is it's about people feeling like you see them and you understand them, even if you don't agree with them. You know, I think uh, in, in the world we live in, we could all use a little bit more of that social awareness of saying, you know, we can ex- we can coexist in, in, a, in a space where we may have very different ideas of how to approach a journey or life or a problem and, and we can but we can have respect for the fact that others feel differently or, or choose a different way to view something um, and so that's at the heart of of um, you know they, they talk about the fact that emotional intelligence is the 
the best, the, the strongest predictor of performance and, and the strongest driver of leadership and personal excellence because, you know, none of us live in, a, in an isolated world. We have to interact with, with other people. And I like to put it this way, that in order for us to influence others, and I think we all in some way want to know that we are a positive influence to others. So in order to influence others positively, we must begin by influencing how they experience us. And that is the heart, that's at the heart of, of the social awareness component of emotional intelligence, which is essentially on a high level broken up into how self-aware are you? Another quadrant of emotional intelligence is how well, how good are you at managing your emotions? I, I like to kind of use the word self-mastery with that. How, how well are you mastering the impact your emotions have on you? Um, how are you empathizing with other people and putting yourself in their shoes? And then how are you managing your relationships as a result of your self-awareness and your ability to empathize with people. Mm, so true. And you know, the other thing too, Sylvia, it's EQ is so much more highly regarded than IQ, especially in, in from a leadership perspective, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So Sylvia, if somebody wanted to embark on a new life or a new career, what would be that one piece of advice that you would like to give them? Huh, interesting. Um. You know, I think I would, well, for one thing, I would I would point out the fact that I think as as human beings, it's it's a natural, you know, human instinct for us to feel a little apprehensive, right, about change and newness and 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 embarking on new careers. But I find that one of the most important things we have to do is step back and get very clear about why we want the change. You know, you want to embark on a new career really getting clear about why, you know, because I feel like, you know, when you ask yourself why you want the change and you listen for the answer, not not in, in the in the noise of other people and, and what everyone else is suggesting you do or don't do, but when you get clear about why you want to make that change, embark on that new career, take that new life path, um, whether it's a new job or, or leaving a, a new relationship or whatever it might be, I mean, an old relationship, it's really important to, 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 to ask yourself why you want that change and then listen for the answer. Because in doing that, I believe that for one thing, you will ensure that you are not um, going to step back into patterns that, you know, old patterns that perhaps landed you in that the, the career path that, that you so desperately want to, to move away from and change, you know. So I think getting clear about why uh, also opens doors to so you're seeing more clearly exactly what it is you want, and that can lessen the fear, the hesitation uh, behind making what could feel like a major shift in your life, you know, because I think embarking on a new career is going to come with a share of unknowns. Uh, but if you're clear about why, then that becomes your motivation and it gives you the clarity to say, well, I'm very clear on why and, and this makes sense for me to do as a next step. And so you don't really give yourself an option to keep looking back and kind of hesitating about should I or shouldn't I. So that for me is probably my biggest piece of advice is just taking a step back to articulate to yourself why it is you want to embark on the change, because that clarity will also give you a, a renewed confidence to move forward, um, unlike perhaps you, you, you could have had uh, otherwise from not reflecting on the why. Mm, and the why it goes back to Simon Sinek. He does that really well. The why is really that unconscious driver. So it's it's what helps us catapult us forward. Absolutely, yeah. So Sylvia, yeah. you've had an amazing, adventurous life along your way. What has been one of your greatest lessons? 
you know, there's so many, so many, but but I, I would say that one of them really came from another, what was another shift in my life, because it was a shift from climbing a corporate ladder in America to kind of taking on the entrepreneurial path. And this happened in, in the early 2000s. Um, I, I, I was working for um, one of the big five at the time, uh, consulting and accounting firms. And uh, one of the senior partners called me into his office. And what had happened was I had a U.S. work permit and they were looking to send me to their Toronto, Canada office because it was much easier to get a work permit in Canada. But they would have me working in both places, so flying to D.C. on the weekdays and back to Toronto on the weekends. And at 22 years old, that sounded like, you know, fabulous life. Um, but uh, I picked out an apartment in Toronto. I was ready to go and, and just was planning out my life when the senior partner motions me into his office and I'm thinking he's going to be sharing all the details of, of, of how we're going to make this job transfer. And instead he delivered bad news. You know, he told me that, that they, they couldn't sponsor my U S work permit and they couldn't um, send me to Canada either because they applied for two work permits. And in doing that, it canceled out both of them and left me with two weeks to stay in America legally. And so, you know, right before my eyes, I, I just, you know, I'd given up my apartment, had a farewell party, done all this stuff when everything came crashing down. And I had two weeks to figure out how to remain in the U.S. legally. The one thing I didn't want to do is become illegal because then I'd have to leave and then be banned for 10 years, you know, um, which was a big problem in itself. So while all this horrible turn of events was happening to me and, and this uh, senior partner was sharing this news and he was all red in the face, just so embarrassed about how everything had gone down. I do remember this this thought that just entered my mind. I'm sure we all have moments where, whether it's a piece of wisdom from a grandparent or a mentor or an influencer, you know, I had this this thought that just entered my mind. I don't know where it came from, but it was it was a thought that I it was something I once heard Gary Zukov say on the Oprah Winfrey show. And, and this is what he said. He said, you must never use negative emotions to make an important decision in your life and expect to have a positive outcome. And, you know, thinking about that, I thought to myself, okay, in this moment, I'm feeling a lot of negativity. I have no idea where my life is headed. These, I felt like people had screwed me over. I, this, I was just seeing red, you know? And I remember being unsettled by the fact that this thought entered my mind because I didn't know what to do with it. But the one thing I did do is hold on to that piece of wisdom uh, from Gary Zukov. And, and I was very keenly aware that in this moment where I felt so much negativity, it was not the time to, to lash out at the partner or, or do something that could have taken my life's path down a, a different turn. Um, and and, and that, that essentially, because I controlled myself and my emotions in that moment, it allowed me to think clearly for the remainder of the week. And I ended up being able to jump into graduate school, which brought me another 18 months in the country legally. And that also opened the doors to my entrepreneurial path because I realized in those moments that I, my whole financial life was sitting in the hands of this person who was sitting across the table from me. And as, you know, as gracious as he was trying to be with this bad news or bad news, quote unquote, at the time, um, I knew that I couldn't allow somebody to control my financial future quite in that way. And it literally opened the doors to me desiring to get certified as a life coach and begin building my practice while I was in graduate school. So it was a huge lesson because I, I think all of us, you know, the listeners, you, you might agree that 
you know, we're human beings and we have emotions that challenge us. I, I don't even like to use the word negative emotions because I think all of our emotions are there to serve us. And but these uh, challenging emotions that we have, the more challenging ones like anger and sadness um, are there to, to, to serve a purpose. And the key is for us not to react impulsively when we are challenged uh, emotionally. It's, it's about taking time, stepping back, even when it's so cloudy. I didn't have any idea that my life's path was going to take this tangent, but I knew that the one thing I could not do was use the negative emotion, the, the challenging emotions I was feeling to, to make the next important decision in my life, because I probably would not have ended up in grad school and would have left the country or just done something else that may not have been in my best interest. So that was a really big lesson for me is just remembering that, you know, while our challenging emotions are difficult to experience, oftentimes it's, 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 we need to sit with that and and be a little clear-headed before we make important decisions in our lives. Oh, that's a perfect example of everything happens for us. It's really a blessing in disguise when you look at it. Mm. Love it. So, Sylvia, the other right. thing that we love to ask our women of inspiration is about pain points. What would be some of your biggest pain points and how do you stumble across a solution? <laughs> big pain points, big pain points. Well, uh Thankfully, I, I feel like I'm I'm experiencing less and less as I mature and grow in my own my own path as an entrepreneur and, and a human being. And but I would have to say that for me, still uh, one of my biggest pain points comes from the fact that as a professional speaker, because the majority of my business is professional speaking, you know, keynotes and uh, speaking at conferences and that sort of thing. The biggest pain point I would say is is having to battle with people to convey my worth and value. You know, and as a as a, a professional female of color, I think that just sort of adds a bit of an extra obstacle and challenge sometimes the journey. And when it comes to interacting with meeting planners and and having them really understand my value and worth, that sometimes a big pain point for me because I, I know what I've accomplished. I know what I'm, what I'm hoping to bring to each and every audience. And, but sometimes you are judged, you know, sort of superficially. And, and I think that you will agree, Catherine, that it's a harsh reality that we live in a, in a male dominated society still. And, and a man's worth is really questioned in, in the same way, no matter the industry. Um, but, but for me, I, I think a solution that I, stumbled upon that that has been working for me is is the idea of leading leading conversations that I have with with meeting planners and and people who are essentially my client potential clients leading the conversation by first letting them understand that I understand their own pain points you know I get the things that keep them up at night and then showing them how I can bring value to that uh, presentation, to that audience, that experience, you know, so I don't focus as much on just sort of being generic and saying, oh, yeah, I, I'm going to come into this audience of a thousand people and, and I'm going to make them laugh and do all of that. I actually spend time with 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 my clients, letting them understand how much I get the things that that keep them up at night, that concern them. And then I, I work to find solutions for that so that everything I do is as customized as possible. And so I would say that to anyone, you know, especially the female women, women, of course, I'm assuming the majority of women are listening, um, the, the listeners are women, that it's, it's really about 
if that's an obstacle for you, a pain point is how can you lead with value so that who you are, you know, physically becomes less of a conversation piece, you know? So I don't just talk about the fact that I've spoken, you know, for the World Bank or Doctors Without Borders or whatever the list may be, but I, I try to figure out what their concerns are and then essentially present that value. Like my goal, sometimes I even acknowledge, I, I say to, to my, um, the folks that I speak to, my potential clients, that I, I understand that this is an industry that's pretty heavily male-dominated still. And so that can sometimes be a concern that people don't envision a Black female speaker headlining a, a 700-person convention. Um, but this is what... This is what I feel you are looking to have. This is how you want your audience and your members to to think, act, and feel differently. And this is what I can commit to doing for them. So it's really just leading leading with as much value as possible. Um, obviously, it's not all in my control, but um, that that tends to help, you know, with the pain point. I mean, I'm going to win some and lose some, you know, along the way. Mm, absolutely. I love the way that you just shared that. So, Sylvia, the other thing is that you're you're a very successful entrepreneur. And the other thing that we also love to unpack is around um, business fail to succeed within the first 12 months. And I'm sure it doesn't matter where you are in the world that you, you hear that quite often. So what would you mm-hmm. think would be a reason or some of the reasons that business fail to succeed? Yeah. So, so, as you can imagine, Catherine, I'm sure you have your long list that you've heard from from other people you've interviewed. But I would say that for me, one of the the big reasons that the people may not be succeeding in business has comes down to to communication. You know, and I think it can sometimes sound so basic, but the idea that people don't clearly communicate their value in in a in a sort of lucid and compelling manner. You know, and I've I found that it's not just good enough to discover what makes you unique as a business person or an enterprise or a service or a product. But oftentimes, you know, you, you may know what makes you unique, but if, you, if you're if you failing to articulate and communicate that message in a concise way, that can be, that can be a downfall. I mean, I, I think that one of the, one of the ways that people can essentially overcome this, this roadblock, because that's, I think important as well, and not just identifying the fact that people fail to communicate their value to truly where the client can see. I would say one of the big tests in helping you overcome a challenge like that is to say, can your customers clearly articulate the value that you bring to them? You know, whether it's a product or a service, you know, how clear are you on your own value? You know, can you articulate that concisely? Um, Can your customers articulate what it is you you do for them, the services and and products you may be be providing for them. What's what value? You know, how do you sort of literally communicate that as a you know one liner? Um, I think it's also important that um, in in overcoming an, a roadblock like that, uh, lack lack of communication in terms of value. I think getting compact in the messaging, you know, so that we're not rambling on and. You, you know, I think you can look at some of the biggest brands or the biggest influencers out there and looking at their messaging, you know, they tend to be pretty compact and and concise. So that's an important thing to look at you, the services you provide. Can somebody clearly see, you know, that your your messaging is compact and, and they get your value pretty quickly? And then, you know, do you have a, a, 
how compelling are you in, in the messaging so that, so that a customer knows what actions they would need to take next? You know, I think oftentimes we get a little bit cloudy and ambiguous about what is it you want your customer to, to, to take action on and getting clear on that. So I would have to say in a nutshell that for me, one of the standout reasons that I, I see that folks may have a challenge, you know, in terms of keeping longevity with their businesses not getting clear on on what is your value and, and and how are you articulating that in the marketplace so people really get it, you know. Mm, I love that. And, and I think that's very important. Once again, a value is those unconscious drivers that draw people to you. Absolutely. Right. So, Sylvia, if we were to go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? <laughs> I feel like I'm still giving my younger self, quote-unquote, advice. But um, you know, I, I think I would... I would tell my younger self to that in in life when we face setbacks and challenges along our path and and we all will we'll continue to do that until our last breath that you know whether it's the loss of something or someone that's dear to us or whether it's a big or small failure that in something that you really hope to succeed in I think that it's important I would tell my younger self to focus most Focus your energy most on reflecting on what you could learn from that experience, right? Because when you do that, you see the failure and setback as nothing more than a critical part of the growth um, into, into growing you into a more experienced and successful human being. And I mean, in a nutshell, I, I would literally, I would literally tell my younger self that everything that happens to you is is really for your for your growth, your personal and ultimately your professional growth. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be as I wouldn't be as hung up on. Yeah, just you know, it's it's seeing seeing those quote unquote failures as as truly an integral part of. I mean, think about my boarding school story. You know, it, it was an absolute disaster while it was happening, but it literally is the reason that I'm able to get on stage and connect with people in ways that I wouldn't have if if I didn't have that heartbreaking experience. You know, um, because I I work harder to to to, to to see the humanity in others and 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 have them feel seen, heard, and understood, you know. So everything that happens to us is really for our own growth. Absolutely, I, I agree with that. I think failures is really about uh, what did you learn from the experience and what are you going to do differently next time. Right, right. So Sylvia, who's been your greatest influence? Once again, I I, I think about so many people along my life's path, perhaps because I've. You know, just been in, in in many different parts of the world, but I, I would have to say that uh, Dr. Maya Angelou uh, definitely a, a big influence for me. I mean, my parents are, are up there as well. You know, obviously, but um, not obviously. It's not the case for everyone. But Maya Angelou, and I, I know I don't know how popular she is in Australia, Catherine. Um, but but certainly, even from where I was in in different parts of Africa. She was like, you know, a superhero of mine growing up. And I do remember being empowered by by her book, I, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. And that coming of age story, you know, showing how strength of character and, and a love of literature helped her overcome tremendous life traumas. And um, little did I know back then when I was sort of holding her up as, as, a, as a superhero that um, that our paths would cross one day, 17 years, you know, um, a long time later. And this happened close to two decades ago now when I was waiting tables uh, at a restaurant in Washington, D.C., and it was a restaurant that she absolutely loved. 
uh, to, to frequent when she was coming back to North Carolina on the train. And I, I didn't imagine my wildest dreams that through talking to her, I just want to say hi. And then next thing I know, she was inviting me to her home to spend a Thanksgiving holiday with her and her family. And I was uh, grateful to to have gotten that invitation for the final uh, 12 years of her life and, and gotten some guidance and mentorship from her um, on about my path and, and about writing and some of the thing some of the important decisions I was making in my life. So I would say, you know, America's poet, as she's known, you know, Dr. Maya Angelou has definitely been a, a huge influence in my life. And I, my only regret is that she's no longer alive for me to share this continued life, life path, um, you know, just the trials and tribulations of living life, you know, and she was always uh, such a well of wisdom for me. So how beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So Sylvia, what we do as we start wrapping up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. So what would be that one word for you? Oh, this one is not hard, uh, Catherine. I, I, I would jump at the opportunity to say empathy. You know, I, I think whether you are, whether it's personally or in business, for me, I focus on operating from a place of, you know, quote unquote, I see you, I understand where you're coming from. And it it makes such a difference in my interactions with others, because after all, you know, I, I think we all have that fundamental human need to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel understood, and our ability to put ourselves in, in the shoes of others and connect with them is so vitally important. And so I, I hope that that the people who know me would agree that that empathy is is an important personal brand for me. Absolutely. And, you know, I think I got goosebumps when you said I see you, just those three words, so powerful, mm. so powerful. So, Sylvia, the yes. other thing that we love to ask our woman of, of inspiration as we wrap up the show is to share three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today? Um, three golden nuggets. You know, I, I, Catherine, I would start with with what I call mind your monologue. You know, I, I like to use that, that term with this because, you know, often in life, the first thing that dissolves in the face of challenges that we confront is our self-talk. I think you'll probably agree with me on that. And and it's in those tough moments that we tend to to have really unproductive and often negative conversations. Sometimes I call them, you know, catastrophic conversations we have with ourselves, which in turn leads us to react and take actions that don't end up serving us. So I would I would encourage the listeners to, you know, on a daily basis, this is something that I do because I am human and I don't always have this sort of positive frame of mind. I have to literally sometimes ask myself, am I minding my monologue? You know, and that just literally means, you know, are you taking care of your self-talk? Because our self-talk guides so much of, of what comes after those thoughts, you know. So that's definitely an important nugget. Um, I also think, you know, don't sell yourself short, sell your value. You know, I think about um, every, think about every opportunity you have ahead of you. And for each one of those opportunities, I would suggest that you perhaps write down the value that you would bring to that experience. Right. Um, and prepare yourself to articulate that value in a way that helps others see your worth. Um, you know, so even if it's down to a simple LinkedIn LinkedIn profile and, you know, where everyone takes a chance to say, I'm a doctor, or I'm a real estate agent. And, and I think maybe challenge yourself to say, you know, maybe you're the person whose profile says, I help others find and connect with a place they would absolutely love to call home. Right. It's unique. It's like, wow, it's, you, you sound you're conveying your value differently. So don't sell yourself short, sell, sell your value. And and I would say my final nugget that I would suggest would be, um, you know, 
don't don't be discouraged by negative feedback. Um, I think as we go through life, we're we're all going to get feedback. Some of it is is stuff we'd rather not hear, but I think it's important to jump at the chance to reflect on on critical feedback, more than the criticisms that that are where where people aren't tooting our own horns. So instead of feeling dejected about that kind of feedback, I would encourage you to to be empowered by it. You know, that's the way I started out in the speaking business, you know, over 15 years ago was with Toastmasters. And um, that's the club where you can go and pretty inexpensively learn how to speak and you get critiqued and evaluated on your speeches. And that's what I did. And I'll tell you, Catherine, that every single evaluation I got from every little mini speech I prepared, I focused not on the thing, the pat on the back and the things that people said I did well, but on the areas of improvement. And that became uh, a focus for me. And I didn't, I embraced it in a positive way to say, this is going to help me grow into an even better version of myself. So the the three nuggets to summarize is just mind your monologue on a daily basis. When life is hitting you in the face, just stop at some point to say, am I minding my monologue? And you'll be surprised at how often we we are unconscious about our self-talk and then don't sell yourself short, sell your value. And uh, finally, yeah, just take, take that that critical feedback that sometimes feels painful and embrace it and grow from it. Mm, I love all three. And I think for me, feedback is a gift. That is how Mm. we learn because people help us shine light on those blind spots for us. I really do love that. So Sylvia, where's the best place for our listeners to find you? Um, my website is uh, www.sylviaspeaks.com and um, email is just info at sylviaspeaks.com. So that's that's usually an easy place. And of course, I'm on Instagram and not of course, not everyone is, but I'm on Instagram at uh, Sylvia Speaks and uh, LinkedIn as well, you know, just by my full name, Sylvia Balfour. And we'll have that in the show notes. Silvio, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your wealth of wisdom. So thank you for your time and your energy. It's been a privilege and and thank you to you and your listeners and wishing you all the very best. Thank you so much. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift. Where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.